Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Brewville at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to RMFP.com. Right now, giving away 100 bucks to Optimum Golf. You can find them in Park Hill or in Rhino, that $100 gift card. That's going to get you one lesson with my guy, Kyle, who teaches my daughter, and he's really good at what he does. You can also get two hours in one of their virtual bays where you can play courses all over the country and now is the perfect time to get your custom fit custom built clubs also to get some lessons from their award-winning pros you're gonna absolutely love going there they're always packed you know why because it's so much fun going to optimum golf book your tea time today at the optimumgolf.com if you'd like the hundred dollar gift card give us a call 303-831-1340 303-831-1340 first caller going to optimum golf on us time now for the lead the lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. All right, Eagles owner Jeff Eagles owner, excuse me, Jeffrey Lurie says not drafting Russell Wilson is the biggest regret he has ever had as an owner. Got me to thinking about our four major sports teams. I'm not trying to not include the Rapids. I apologize. I'm talking about baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. What should the Broncos' biggest regret be? themselves not picking Russell Wilson's right up there back in 2012. But what's on top of the list? Is he on top of the list? Mm. Might well, at least in, in the last 10 years I'd say yes, that's the biggest regret. I'll go I'll go Josh Allen. Okay. And honestly, it's the same thing. We're talking about yeah. he had a quarterback in your hands and in their in in one case it was they decided that height was the deal breaker and in the other case as you've discussed they just they couldn't pull the trigger on the tall quarterback after Paxton Lynch, even though they'd worked with Josh Allen for a week. That the failing of that is that they had Josh Allen for a week at the senior bowl and passed. Russell Wilson went to two Super Bowls, and I get it, and he won one. But if we're being completely honest, he was aided by a historic defense in his first trip to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen is a far more talented quarterback than Russell Wilson. Overall, he's a more talented quarterback. And that's not a knock on Russell Wilson because he's going into the Hall of Fame. As far as leadership and all the intangibles from what I've been told by people in Buffalo, Josh Allen has that in spades as well. So we will see how his career unfolds. I'd have to go with Josh Allen, even though Russell Wilson has the more impressive resume. With that, Rockies, Nuggets, Avs. Which which team would you like to start with? Let's uh, let's start with the Nuggets. Now, when we talk about a regret, it can be something that happened, unfortunately, right? It can be a lot of different things. Okay, if it qualifies under my guidelines, no, well, whatever you want it to be. I think they, I, th- I think they make the finals at some point in the late seventies if David Thompson doesn't shred his knee. But that's not. But that's not something a team can control. It's not something you can control, but it's a regret. 
Right, but you have no control. I'm talking about something you can control. Oh, so you're not. So basically, what you're saying is, by your rules, my choice doesn't matter. Well, fine. Okay, if then, that's, then if that's you, where you want to go. Was, that was where I went. So what do you have? When they drafted Donovan Mitchell, they should have kept him. Okay. When they drafted Rudy Gobert, they should have kept him. However, if they draft Rudy Gobert, which they did, and keep him, we might not have Jokic. But their biggest regret is Donovan Mitchell. But you know what their second biggest regret might be? What's that? Signing Michael Porter Jr. to that max contract. And that is a to-be-determined. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Rockies or Avs? Where do you want to go next? Go with the Rockies. Yeah, there's a lot there. Let's. I, I, I zeroed in on the 2006 draft. When they picked Greg Reynolds. Good one. They could have. They could have had... Good Clayton Kershaw, yeah. Max Scherzer, or Evan Longoria, <laughs> all of whom went in. Lincecum, too. Yeah, all, those three went in the, like the next seven picks. Yep. And that's, uh, there are a lot you could point to, but that that transforms the 2010s for them. That one pick? If you've got, I mean, let's say you, you get Scherzer or Kershaw. Right, and you have an ace. Let's say you get Longoria. Now, the interesting thing, of course, is you don't have you, an Arenado. Yeah, you might not have Ar- Arenado, but I think with either of those two pictures, you would have had something that they lacked. I agree for a long time. A lot of people would put Arenado on the list. I'm not, and I'll tell you why. He didn't want to be here. Now, you can make the case they had the control of making him feel that he doesn't want to be here anymore. You can make that case, but I but I like yours because. You should regret that. You should regret blowing it in that draft with Hall of Fame talent that you missed on, and maybe you should have taken one of those guys. To me, the biggest regret I think the Rockies organization has as a whole is something that they did that affected them for years and years and years. When they signed Hampton and Nagel, that set them back emotionally on spending money. It just did because neither of those guys performed the way you thought they were going to. Now, here's the funny thing. When the signings happened, people were thrilled about it as well. They should have been. Mike Hampton was a terrific pitcher before he came here. Denny Mm -hmm. Nagel was part, as you know, of that Braves rotation. He was a very good player as well. I don't fault a GM for a player failing after he gets here. I don't put that on the GM. Just like I don't put it on Jeff Breidich that Brian Shaw failed. Brian Shaw failed because Coors Field was in his head. He was a terrific pitcher with the Cleveland Indians. So when it comes to signing, I'd put Hampton Nagel. I might throw Ian Desmond in there. That was a bust of busts. But I'll tell you the one where it was the opposite of signing. It's a guy they let get away, which I didn't understand at the time. And to this day, I still don't. They let DJ LeMahieu walk, and that was just flat out dumb. Saying to him, you need to do this, you need to do that. And by the way, I remember talking to him in the locker room towards the end of the season. I said, how are the negotiations going? And he said, they haven't even reached out to me. And this was at the end of the season. They knew they were just going to let him walk no matter what. And how dumb was that? And also, it's kind of knowing that he was going to walk and also, you know, just knowing your situation. I mean, we, we say time and again. He like, didn't want to leave. They didn't want to leave, but you got knowing your players, right? You should have known enough about DJ LeMahieu to want him back. Yes. Gold glove caliber 
second baseman and a terrific hitter. Self-scouting and having a proper evaluation on your own guys is as important, if not more important, than your scouting for the drafting, your scouting of other teams' farm systems. The the Yankees, by the way, did not pay DJ LeMahieu a fortune. I can't remember who they brought in to replace him. I'm getting all my guys mixed up. Was it Mark Reynolds? They brought in somebody pretty much at the same salary that LeMahieu got from the Yankees. You can say, oh, the Yankees spend a lot of money. No. Yeah, they do. But they also have a pretty good farm system. But you know what they do most importantly? They know how to spot talent. And they knew DJ LeMahieu could still play, and the Rockies didn't. And they knew and they knew he'd fit well with them. And the, the thing that the Yankees have, and the Dodgers as well. Right. Okay. They... They, they both have good farm systems. What they have is they have a margin for error. Right. So if they miss on a big free agent signing and it costs them a lot of money, it's not something they worry about. Whereas with the Rockies, when they miss on a big free agent pickup and it does cost, or pickups when you talk about the bullpen guys they brought in, and it does cost them money, that's, they tend to get gun shy because it really hits their bottom line in a different way than it does the dog, the Dodgers and Yankees. Okay, the Avs one was true. Well, real quick, go ahead. We're real quick. It's not as if it's not as if Lemayhu broke the bank. It was a two year deal for twenty four million. That wasn't a huge deal. They th- they thought he th- they thought he was a product of Coors Field, and they were wrong. Oh, they were definitely wrong. <laughs> they were and dead I'll, wrong. I'll tell you this about Lemayhu: to say that his ass was chapped at the Chicago Cubs is an understatement. He was bitter that they traded him bitter, bitter, bitter. And I could tell by talking to him at the end of his career here, he was starting to feel the same way about the Rockies. Bitter. After everything I've done for you, and you don't even offer me a contract? Good for DJ LeMayhew for taking that deal with the Yankees. Let's move to the Avs. Avs, a lot of good history, but the thing that I came back to was the trade of uh, David Abisher for Jose Teodor. Because what happened after that was having to pay him $6 million meant Rob Blake, Alex Tangay, a couple other guys they couldn't keep. And effectively, that hey, the, the team was in a slow decline, but still very competitive at the time. They were, it, was a, it was kind of a, a move, okay, we think Theodore can kind of get us back to where we were with Patrick Waugh. David Abisher was marginal at best. Right. No, but it was what they marginal. Could, no, it wasn't what they gave up. It was what they couldn't keep. I got that. And that's why it was that's why it's a regret. I, I don't mind I don't yeah. mind letting an aging Rob Blake go, and I love Rob Blake. Best hip check in the history of the NHL. Alex Tangay was at the end of was at the end of the line too. You need a really good goalie. So I didn't have a huge problem with that because I covered that team. Yeah. The two trades that stick out to me, one I was here for, one I was not. And that what I'm not one was a trade, the other one was not a trade. Letting Chris Drury go was a terrible idea. Terrific in the playoffs. N- really good young leader. Really good player. That was a huge mistake and Pierre Lacroix made very few mistakes. The other one was and this involved Joe Sackick and he's made great moves. The contract disputes and were well documented between the Avalanche and Ryan O'Reilly. 
But Ryan O'Reilly proved his worth. He, and he did in a big way. He was the captain of the Blues when St. Louis won the title. One of the best two-way players in the league at the time. But O'Reilly's dad got involved after a lot of problems the year before. And O'Reilly wanted $8 million a year, wanted to be the highest paid guy. And I can understand why Sackick felt he should not be the highest paid guy. But at the end of the day, now that we know Ryan O'Reilly's career, he deserved to be the highest paid guy in that team. Here's the only only catch, though. If they keep Ryan O'Reilly, I'm not so sure they are picking in the top three to get McKinnon and Landeskog. Duchesne, ugh, was more than happy he was gone. I don't know if they get those guys because O'Reilly was really that good. They might have been locked in the uh, perpetual six-seed category. Yep. Good enough to be competitive, not good enough to win, to, to have a real viable shot to win it all. Right. Some, sometimes you're better off bottoming out. Coming up after the break, boy, the arguments are coming out strong against Nikola Jokic to win the MVP. And some of these comments are absolutely comical, at least to me. But is there some logic to what people are saying? That's next. It's the morning, just week two. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. SmileEyesports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP. Com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Windfall Brewing Company in the Orchard Town Center. And this place really does have something for everyone. you love this. 17 craft brews on tap. And they have a new executive chef who used to be the sous chef at Shanahan. So you know the food is going to be outstanding. He makes a fabulous hand-butchered ribeye with a Cabernet mushroom demi-gloss, a pan-seared salmon with charred broccolini. I've had that. It is really good. And you know what else I like? The tomato soup. You're thinking, oh, tomato soup. Well, what's tomato soup? This is the best tomato soup I've ever had. Not an exaggeration. Then they have these little grilled cheese bites that you just dunk in there. It's a meal unto itself. Love it. Windfall Brewing, by the way, isn't bar food. It is a really great dining experience. You know what? While you're waiting, they have 23 pinball machines, Pac-Man, Golden Tea, dozens of your old-time favorite arcade games. Head to Westminster, make it a day or night at Windfall Brewing Company. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. Okay, recently uh, we've gotten a deluge of arguments for Joel, Joel Embiid for the MVP. He's a terrific player. I don't want to knock him or take anything away from him. This is what one media member said this morning on Twitter. I didn't write the guy's name down because I don't remember it, but he clearly covers the 76ers. He said, you don't know anything about basketball if you think Jokic is the MVP. Nick Wright, who's a famous 
uh, Jokic basher. Nick Wright is well known to be an idiot. And we're going to tell you what he said. He said, the entire MVP case is computers telling me I'm an idiot if I don't vote for him. Isn't it possible your beloved computers are flawed? And Ramona Shelburne of ESPN said, if I had to vote for MVP right now, I'd vote for Joel Embiid. Do you see any logic to this argument or any of these arguments? I mean, the thing is, the logical argument is actually Jokic because the data is on your side. And also when you look at the composition of the teams and how important Jokic is to the Nuggets, what success the Nuggets have had. I mean, he's basically carried him. Remember the case that some people were making last year for Steph Curry, how, okay, he should he didn't win, but he should be an MVP because without him, the Warriors be trash, right? Yep. You can make the same case for Jokic this year. Without him, the Nuggets would be trash. I agree. See, when people look at the MVP, whether no matter what sport you want to look at, the argument is, is he the best player in the league? Or what does the team look like without him? Well, where do we want to start? We'll start with the best player, okay? Mm -hmm. Joel Embiid is a great scorer. He's a terrific rebounder. And he's a great defensive player. Jokic is a better offensive defensive player than he used to be. The numbers just show that out. One of only four players in the league with 90-plus uh, steals and 50-plus blocks this season. Right. Mm-hmm. So with that, then you throw in all of his offensive numbers, which are rebounds and points and assists, and you put this in. I saw it earlier today, but I'm glad you put it in there. Jokic is 72 points away and 14 rebounds away from becoming the first guy in NBA history to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists and you, and that's, in one season. And you know what? That's for the... The old, the old. If you're the old school stats type, if you don't, if you don't buy into PER, for example, there's your argument right there. Right. That he is literally putting together a season the likes of which nobody has ever had. Right. Now, if you look at Wilt Chamberlain's best seasons, I'm guessing he has seasons where he had 2,300 points and 1,200 rebounds, but he probably didn't come close to 500 assists. Right. I mean, he is among the league leaders, I think, in five or six categories. Five or six categories. Points, rebounds, mm-hmm. assists, block shots, steals. Yeah. Top 10. Mm-hmm. That means as far as an all-around player goes, is there anybody better in the league? The answer is no. Then if you take them off the team, we know what they'd be. Joel Embiid has had the great fortune of playing in a conference that you can make the case, you think the East is better than the uh, West? It's narrow the gap. Okay. I mean, I'd still take the West, but the East goes a little deeper when you get down 8 to 10. I got news for you. For Joel Embiid, you better not be tied in wins with Nikola Jokic if you want to be considered the MVP with all that talent on your roster. And right now... They're tied. They're tied. For wins. They're four, 48 and 30 are the Sixers, and or, or no, they're the Nuggets are one back. 
No, no, I'm wins. not talking about. I'm no, they're one back because they have two more losses. Right. I'm talking about win the Sixers, total. Oh, the Sixers win have, total. The Sixers have 48. The Nuggets have 47. Oh, okay. So maybe I read this yesterday before a game yesterday. That's okay. No, I mean, what do you think? But they're close. I mean, that's. What do you think? I mean, are these are these arguments valid? I mean, I think they're interesting, but they're not compelling. I think that this, this, what we're seeing here, and I think Nikola Jokic may end up being an unwitting uh, back victim of the backlash against data. Because the data-driven argument is, is for Jokic, right? And kind of similar to what happened in baseball for a while, I think we're seeing some kind like, oh, well, my eyes tell me this. Right. Forget about the data. Uh, my eyes tell me this. The the thing is, the eye test is probably a little probably a little more important in a sport like football with his limited sample size. One thing data does when you get to a, an eighty two game season, as in the NBA or Buck sixty two, as is in Major League Baseball, is it allows you to have a view of the totality of a player, the total resume, right? Right. Rather than zero, you know, rather than zeroing in on just oh, they had these apex moments here, you get a better perspective on what the entire body of work is, right? Yep. I mean, how often we hear that in, other, in college basketball or other sports? What's the body of work? And, and the other thing is, if you want to go by that kind of the, the head-to-head thing, fine. Um, the Nuggets I, won. The Nuggets won the game, and, and Jokic was a huge part of the reason why. When the Nuggets came back in the second quarter, it was Jokic who was leading the way, right? I mean... That's what you're. That's what an MVP is supposed to do. He has done. Correct? He has been missing his top two teammates. Yes, all year, and they have forty-seven wins. And Embiid with Harden and all those other guys. You know what I? That was so lame. I saw an argument saying, "Well, what about with what Embiid had to deal with with all the Ben Simmons drama?" Give what, me a break. Yeah, what about having the to deal ben with Simmons the Ben Simmons drama? Sim, you, you'll take the Ben Simmons drama over Jamal Murray missing what, it, barring something changing here in the next few days. Jamal Murray, hero of the bubble playoffs, missing the entire season. Michael Porter Jr. missing most of the season. The big three that was supposed to have this team be a championship contender became the big one and yet the Nuggets are still in decent playoff position and frankly I mean I don't like their chances against a full strength Suns I think they have a puncture shot against everybody else but I'm not sure any I I, I mean I'm not sure anybody is going to end up upending the Suns this year I don't think that I don't think it's negative about the Nuggets and Jokic say oh well they probably couldn't beat the Suns I'm not sure anybody in the East is going to beat the Suns. I'll tell you what's funny is is that there are a lot of us, you know, pining for Jokic, kind of pump his tires a little bit. About two and a half months ago, two months ago, maybe even a month and a half ago, and all the Embiid supporters were silent because they knew their guy was leading the way. Mm-hmm. Now they're suddenly coming out of the woodwork, aren't they? Yeah. But who's a better defensive player? Embiid's a better defensive player. Who's a better scorer? You can make the case it's Embiid. Who's a better rebounder? You can make the case it's Embiid. However, when it comes to an all-around game, 
Um, you can make the case, 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists. Michael Jordan never did that. Mm-hmm. Will Chamberlain never did that. Magic, Magic Johnson, Johnson never, never did that. That's right. But Nikola Jokic might on a team that isn't isn't loaded with talent. The interesting thing was hearing, like, as as Nick Wright, Nick Wrong, uh, was trying to um, to extend his argument, invalidating kind of rebounds as a metric. Oh, if you're going to invalidate rebounds as a metric, then, that's, then MB, that's, that's then, one of Embiid's big ones. Right, exactly. Like, like oh, but a lot of the rebounds are uncontested. Well, here's the other thing with the, the rebounds, especially when Jokic gets them. The rebound leads directly to the facilitator part of it, which is part of his ar- the argument for him as a complete player. The rebound starts the break. Yeah, but here, here I'm, I'm going to take your stat, just to go all stat geek right here. Yeah. Points per game, how much are they separated in terms of points per game? I don't, I don't have it in front of me. You don't? Um, okay, I, 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 thought, I thought you had I I thought you it right were, here. I thought you were asking me. No, I have it right here. So Embiid is averaging 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. And Jokic is averaging probably in the neighborhood of about 26 points a game. Sound about right to you? 26.8. 27 points a game. So he's three points worse, right? Embiid is 2.1. Or no, Jokic is 2.1 rebounds better than Embiid. Forget about the rebounds. Yeah. How about assists that lead to points directly? Oh, gosh. So how about eight? So that's, I guess that's... 8.0 six. to 4.2. Okay. So that's twice as many. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's responsible for all points per game. Unless they're threes, but even if they're twos, that's eight more points per game. So if he trails points per game yeah. by three, now he just passed him, right? Mm-hmm. So who's more responsible for points per game? I guess it's Jokic. Coming up after the break, we're going to get back to the NCAA tournament. Terrific Final Four. Bunch of blue bloods, but there's one slight problem with all the teams that played. Big histories in basketball. Get it. But is this the end of the line, potentially, for the Blue Bloods? That's next. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Back, Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason, watch us. Do that again. Do it again. Clients have it. Sorry, I got an ad on YouTube. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know what? I'm willing to wait if we can get that. Let's wave the wheat, baby. Oh, that was a different one. That was that's a okay. fight song, but yeah. That's, that's all right. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. You're going to see this in your nightmares as they I, wave the wheat. I already do. Remember when... Uh, <laughs> KU went up 40-12 to 12 on Carolina back in the 08 uh, Final Four. By the way, mm. how lame is it that Kentucky fans are putting it out there, hey, we smoked Kansas and North Carolina. Yeah, that, that, You lost to St. Peter's. Yeah. That's what you did. When it mattered, you lost to St. Peter's. I mean, if we want to kind of go through that. You know. 
I mean, St. St. Peter's beat Kentucky, beat Purdue. Yeah. Kentucky and Purdue both smoked North Carolina during the season. Right. Well, they, Purdue didn't smoke them. They beat them. Kentucky smoked them, beat them by. That's why North Carolina is an eight seed, but you know what? They're in the national championship, so shut up. Late blooming team. Not wrong with that. I mean, do you remember the 2014 championship game? You had a couple of late bloomers then. You had UConn that was a seven seed, and you had Kentucky as an eight seed. And UConn ended up winning it. Kevin Ollie was the coach then. First year replacing uh, Jim Calhoun. Certainly North Carolina hopes that their replacement for election who has gotten their team all the way to the final Monday works out better than UConn's did back in uh, the last few years. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. The final four, two teams from the ACC, Duke, North Carolina. Then you have one team from the Big East, Villanova. Big 12, Kansas. Those conferences have accounted for the last eight national championships, 12 of the last 13, but they're also on the wrong side of the growing revenue gap. Um, according to updated annual revenue projections, uh, a data-driven consulting firm called Navigate, the SEC Big 10 stand to make nearly twice as much as the Big 12, Pac-12, ACC by 2022. 2026. 2026. With that, is there going to be a shift in power? No. I'll answer it for you. No. For starters, you have Kentucky in there. So that's not really fair. You have Kentucky. Kentucky might be positioned to have a, a renaissance here, though. Because they're nope. on the... Kentucky... Indiana will figure it out at some point again. I don't know about that. But they're on the right side of the revenue gap. That's Being fine. In the Big Ten. But here's the thing. I understand the revenue gap when it comes to football. But when it comes to basketball, blue bloods are blue bloods, and tradition is tradition. Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, now Villanova, Jay Wright. Boy, what a great coach he is. They are a blue blood now. I think you can call There's no question they are. You call and, Arizona blue blood, too, even though they're not in the Final Four, but they're in the Pac-12. That's UCLA. fine. UCLA. Right. So those those schools, you want to play college basketball there because of the name recognition. I'm sorry, people aren't going to be lining up to play at Vanderbilt because they're in the SEC. And I can promise you kids are not going to say who, who live in the city of Chicago, I'm going to stay home and play at Northwestern. Well, the other thing that comes into play, though, is uh, NIL. And that's where these skill, schools are going to be creative because I agree. And a school that has a robust NIL program, as it were, or they're supporters have a robust NIL program is going to be positioned to clean up fairly heavily in recruiting. Yeah. But I, we might see more, but the question is, is it going to be the, the forces kind of marshalling themselves at a Duke at a Carolina, or is there going to be a school where you have some well-heeled boosters that say, let's see if we can buy our way to success in basketball. Okay. One thing that the PAC 12 has over every other conference Generally speaking, they are close to major cities. Arizona and Arizona State, Phoenix, USC, UCLA, Los Angeles, Stanford, Cal, San Francisco, Washington, Seattle, Colorado, Denver, major cities. Um, 
So people who live in big cities, big corporations, they might throw some NIL money. Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, the SEC schools. Now, listen, Georgia Tech is is right in Atlanta. Georgia Tech's in Atlanta. Right. And Ra- Raleigh-Durham is a significant market. That's Carolina and Duke. Right. And, Those, and NC State. And then Boston College is in Boston. Right. Pitt's in Pittsburgh, et cetera. So when you talk about NIL money, the closer you are to a major city, the better. Kansas, Kansas City. Yeah. Kansas City's not a major market, but it is certainly big enough. Easier for KU than K-State. No question. Right. So as far as NIL money, closer you are to a major city, the better. Uh, when you're in a, a lot of SEC schools are in the middle of nowhere. Right. Although, I so mean. They desperately need the SEC conference money. They do. They do. I mean, kind of the only, Na- Vanderbilt's in Nashville. Yep. And, no, 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 no. Vander, Vanderbilt is a school that kids go to right. to get an education. I know that, but the, they don't but go there saying, to play sports. But if we're saying the city, I mean, they are in I, Nashville. I get it, but they're more synonymous with academics, like Northwestern. Same thing. And they're in Evanston, which is just outside well, of Chicago. Some of these SEC markets are going to have to be creative. Like, here's, I'll give you an example. There's a, you know, Mizzou is in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, but they're right near St. Louis. They're two hours from St. Right. Louis. Right. Two but, hours is but here's close the, enough. But here's the, advan- the thing that they have, especially more to football than basketball, but even so in basketball, St. Louis doesn't have an NFL team, doesn't have an NBA team. Right. Mizzou ought to be, in terms of the NIL, pushing yep. St. Louis and St. Louis money hard. Right. They should be acting like, even the, maybe the tune of playing a couple of home games in St. Louis, they should be saying St. Louis is as much our town as Columbia is, right? Because that's because again, you go you go where the money is. LSU, they already do that with New Orleans. Right. That's, but you can just go on down. The Alabama's list. in the middle of nowhere. Auburn's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, unless you say, oh, they're an, they're an hour from Birmingham. But yeah, oh god, Birmingham, oh, god. Birmingham is not Atlanta. No, and Georgia is an hour from Atlanta. So a school like Georgia has an advantage over Alabama. And they all have advantages over schools in Mississippi, for example. And Georgia has Atlanta, as you mentioned. And, Flo- right? and Florida's within 90 minutes of Orlando and Jacksonville. So Florida's got an advantage there. A school that could clean up if they can figure things out, even though they're in the ACC, is Miami. Yep. I mean, when you look at Tennessee, they're close to three hours from Knoxville. Yeah. I mean, when or Nashville. Yeah. I mean, Nashville, the other way around. And yeah. they're, they're, I think they're, they're, and they're what they're four hours from Atlanta. It's not in their state, but yeah, that that's going to be something worth watching. I think you hit the nail on that with the Pac-12. That's how they're going to have to make it up, right? I mean, we're talking about local car companies, Apostle J's up in Boulder. That's going to throw some money. Shoot, DNVR gave money to Trey McBride and David Roddy. There you go, you guys. Pick the right Nate guys. Landman. Yeah, right. Landman. They've they've picked some. Pick the right to guys. Their, to, to DMVR's credit, they've picked the right people to partner with. Of course, part of it is... Well, we all knew they were all going to be really good. But the other thing... It's yeah. not like there's some great scouting. You have on. to pick people that... They're going to sell shirts, right? Yep. You have to pick big enough names to sell shirts. I agree. That's why you pick a David Roddy or a Trey McBride. I agree. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? Big games last night from Will Barton and Aaron Gordon to help beat the Lakers and also retirement tours. We had one just end, and this week another will begin. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Yeah, good job, Danny. This is my walk-up song if I played baseball. <laughs> Nicely done. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Mason. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan. With Dan McKenzie at TheMcKenzieFirm.com. Just in case you missed it. We had one retirement tour and over the weekend, Mace, as uh, your Tar Heels sent Coach K to retirement. His career now over. We have another retirement tour starting up this week, and it was announced that Albert Pujols will make his 22nd straight opening day start. He, He announced when he returned to the Cardinals, this will be his final season. What do you think about retirement tours for coaches for players do you like when they announce ahead of time that hey this is my last season or do you think that they should just once the season is over say i'm retiring and leave the game like that different strokes for different folks i think it's a little bit self-serving that's just me i mean i I think i think it's a little much to do to retirement tour well it well when you say retirement tour really depends on the opposing teams Mm -hmm. who decide to honor that person if mm-hmm. indeed they choose to do that, right? Yeah. Albert Pujols, outside of Barry Bonds, the greatest player of his generation. At least in terms of hitting. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest hitters this game has ever seen. And he has hung on too long. I wish he retired a while back, but I hope he is recognized. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Albert Pujols is like his prime years are oh, literally over a decade in the rear view, in, in the rear view mirror. Yep. He has not even had an 800 OPS in the last nine seasons. But his but his ten year stretch. Oh, that he had one of the greatest in baseball history. Just he, hung on too long. He became Willie Mays. Yeah, for ten years. But he wasn't going to walk away voluntarily because of nope. the money involved with it. Right, right. I agree. Just in case you missed it, big production from Will Barton, who had 25 points, and Aaron Gordon, who had 24 points. In yesterday's win over the Lakers, Jokic finally getting a little help from the other starters. Who is a more important player to Denver's offense come the playoffs? Barton or Gordon? Barton. Barton. If he shows up, you know, once every seven games in a seven-game series. If somehow Will the Thrill were to turn it on in the postseason, sky's the limit. But that's not something you can rely upon. Right. So that's that's the thing. It would be great like if he if he came out played the basketball of his life in the postseason. It'd be phenomenal. I just don't expect that. Can't count on it. Yeah. Just in case you missed it, you guys brought up Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert earlier. I saw an interesting stat over the weekend that Donovan Mitchell averages two point three passes, not assists, but passes to Rudy Gobert per game this season. Despite all the jazz claiming that there is not a rift between the players, that stat would seem to uh, 
say something to the contrary. Do you think that one or the other will be out of Utah for next season? Are, are either of them free agents? I don't know off the top of my head. I can try to pull it up real quick. Oh, uh, I mean, that's why I was asking. If one of them is a free agent, they might want to leave. But then again, they might be offered a five-year deal. If you're saying if both are under contract and are one go- is one of them going to be traded? Yeah, Rudy, Rudy Gobert's under contract for another four more seasons. And what about Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell... Donovan Wait. Mitchell is also under contract until 2026. I can't see the, <laughs> I can't see the Jazz wanted to trade either of those guys. Yeah. Unless it's just so untenable that one of them needs to go. The question is who would you trade? I'd trade Gobert if I had to trade one of the two. I think you have to. Yeah. I think go, Gobert go, goes. Gobert, yeah, Gobert go goodbye to Gobert. Right. Or au revoir, but you have to bring in your, your French, don't well, you? He's from France. <laughs> Listen to you. All right, Danny. Can you recall any uh, time that here in Denver there were a pair of teammates that were as much at odds as these two seem to be down in Utah? Akeem Talib and Russell Okun. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of Okung either. He was a big jerk. Uh, he never a- wanted to talk to the media. He acted like he was a- He's gone after one year, so. Yeah, and it was great. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys who didn't like each other. Um, I can't remember the player's name. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this one for me, and then I'll tell you. In, in, you know when the show's over. All right. I don't think he was particularly well liked in the Rockies locker room. That's gonna do it for us. Uh, for Alex and Danny, great job, Mace. Best of luck tonight. Thank you. I know you're very excited for the game. And uh, Danny, we have a new show starting uh, at the top of the hour. What is the new show? We do. We're going to ha- be having new shows all week this week. It'll be the Talk of Colorado, and there are going to be different themes each night. Tonight's theme is hip-hop, so Monday nights there will be a hip-hop show. Uh, Wednesdays will continue to be the regular MMA plug. Tuesdays, I believe, are the foodie show, Ooh. talking about some local restaurants I want to be town. on that show. And uh, Thursday will be sports, and Friday will be a whole mishmash of various topics on local athletes and uh, local entrepreneurs. So, should be some great shows starting up this week. Enjoy the hip hop show. I'll be listening on my drive home. It's better than being over it, over it.